0: Number four, first up, continues here on TSN 1050. Korolnik and Koliakovo with you. No trades yet this morning in the NHL. Disappointing. We've been on such a great run. Started with Bo Horvat being traded to the Islanders. We saw Tarasenko traded to the Rangers. Of course, the Maple Leafs made a huge deal uh, with Ryan O'Reilly and Noel Achari coming into the fold from St. Louis. And then late last night, maybe like 8 o'clock or so, a big deal made by the Boston Bruins, the best team in the NHL. They trade for Dmitry Orlov, who might not be the most sexy name to bring in, but he's a top-four D-man and someone who they could absolutely rely on in a big situation.
1: I think it's a very sexy name. You talk about impact, top-four, top-pairing defenseman. This guys won a Stanley Cup with the Washington Capitals. Probably going to get a big contract um at the end of the season. I mean if you would have, if if we would have known that he was a name that was potentially available, I think he would have been right at the top of the list and man, did the Bruins do some savvy business getting that deal done and it almost it's a very similar deal than what the, the to what the Maple Leafs made. I mean you think about yep. the two the, the two players
0: that they acquired for the package that went back. You're really similar to the Maple Leafs. And that's where we'll start with our next guest. He's the managing editor and senior writer at Daily Faceoff. It's Matt Larkin here on the show. What's up, Matt?
2: Oh, hi, guys. How you doing? I'm excited. It was quite the day yesterday, and let's hope there's still some meat on the bone by the time
0: we get to the deadline. <laughs> that's, man. that's how it goes. Yeah. Next week, we'll see. Seven days from today, I guess Timo Meyer's still out there, Jacob Chickren's still out there, maybe Carlson, maybe some guys we haven't even thought of. But let's look back at last night. Orlov goes to Boston, and this has been something we've been discussing throughout the course of this morning, as you can imagine. You know, a lot of Leaf talk here, Matt. So, if you were the Maple Leafs, the better package to have acquired before the deadline, O'Reilly and Achari, or Orlov and Garnet Hathaway, who were, traded, who were acquired by the Boston Bruins, which package would you have preferred if you were the Leafs?
2: Ooh, great question, because both sort of address, in theory, team needs of the Leafs. You could argue that Ryan O'Reilly was more of a luxury for a team that's already pretty strong up the middle. And I do think the Leafs need to add another defenseman, and especially if you had an Orlov, for example, on the left side, that could get T.J. Brody back over to the right side when everybody's healthy. So I still think that's a need that Kyle Dubas has to find a way to address. That said, if you believe in the superstition that you around the Toronto Maple Leafs and you want someone who is clutch, who has that je ne sais quoi, the ability to win in clutch situations, the consummate trophy winner. I think I support the addition of Ryan O'Reilly. It's not just recency bias because he's on fire already. But when you get to those deep waters, when you need one goal, if you're in a situation like last year where you're one goal away from eliminating the Tampa Bay Lightning, you want a Ryan O'Reilly out there. So I think that deal works for the Leafs, and I think what Boston did works very well for them. They really answered the bell. It seems like everybody in the Eastern Conference is loading up right now.
1: Matt, in the Daily Faceoff, you wrote uh, uh, an article of your first impression grades on the Orlov-Hathaway trade. Do you mind sharing uh, how you graded that for both teams? And after that, uh, what type of next move do you expect from the Washington Capitals?
2: Yeah, of course. So I give the Boston Bruins an A-plus on this trade. I think it was a stroke of genius from Don Sweeney. The fact that you're able to get Craig Smith's cap hit out and you bring in in Orlov an option that is superior to Vladislav Gavrikov, who the Bruins were supposed to be targeting, right? Orlov, I think, is much better on the offensive side of the bike. He can do a lot of what Gavrikov can do defensively. You can put him on the top pair if you want. You can load that up with Charlie McAvoy. That could be one of the best defensive pairings in the NHL immediately. And in Hathaway, you bring in someone who I think, of course, is extremely physical but also is underrated as a defensive player in a checking role. And I reference in the story the big, bad Bruins. That's not really what this team's identity is anymore. I think they've become a less physical team. They have a lot of finesse. They're one of the highest-scoring teams in the league. So you're bringing back some sandpaper to put in the top nine or maybe the top 12 if he's on the fourth line. And I think you've really diversified this team. The Bruins, I don't think, really needed depth at forward because they got two really strong forward lines. So I think the best team in the NHL answered the bell with that trade, got a lot better. And bringing in the Minnesota Wild as a third-party broker, you're only paying 1.275 million dollars for a top pair caliber defenseman, Dmitry Orlov. Extremely impressive. From the Capitals' side of the trade, I give them a C minus. I think it was a mature decision from Brian McClellan, the general manager. He understands this team does not have the horses. It's the oldest team in the NHL. It's extremely banged up. I don't think this team is going anywhere in terms of a deep playoff run, have not won a playoff series since they won the cup in 2018. So this is the right decision. You have so many pending UFAs on that roster, but did they get enough? That is what I I kind of wonder here because Orlov – It sounds like he was not available all this time because it it was sort of a later decision. The Capitals were still in the hunt a couple weeks ago. And could you not have shopped around and gotten a better price, gotten Mm -hmm. at least a prospect as part of this return? A first-round pick you get, but Boston's going to win the President's Trophy. That's a glorified second-round pick. It's at the end of the round. And you're also trading Hathaway, so I'm a bit disappointed. I think the decision to sell is correct by Washington, but the return is underwhelming.
0: Our guest is Matt Larkin from The Daily Faceoff, off and it doesn't sound like the Caps are necessarily done. Pierre Lebrun tweeting out, our TSN Hockey Insider this morning, that the Caps were having contract talks with Nick Jensen and Eric Gustafson, two of their defensemen, and... Pierre wonders if they still try to sign Jensen or Gustafson or trade one or both now. So to bring it back to the Leafs, maybe Kyle Dubas waiting it out until the last minute. There could be a lot more defensemen on the market, Matt, than we thought. And I think that also ties back to Gavrikov, as you mentioned Sounded like Boston and Gavrikov was a done deal. They go out and trade for Orlov. All of a sudden, Columbus is like, okay, who wants Gavrikov? And now Washington's got defensemen up for grabs. We know Luke Shedd is out there. Maybe there's more defensemen on the market than we anticipated.
2: That's right. And if you're Columbus, that had to sting yesterday. You have to wonder if the asking price has to come down. We know it was supposedly something similar to what they got for David Savard a couple years back, so a first-round pick would have been involved. But now that's basically what the price is set for the Orlov package. Maybe you have to ask for less for Gavrikov. And I agree. If I'm the Leafs, I'm looking at some of these discount defensemen. Nick Jensen is a guy who's really underrated as a shutdown player. I totally agree. It's exactly the, yeah, exactly right. It's the type of player the Leafs have needed for a long time. He can play the right side. I think that would be a perfect addition. You got the cap hit two and a half million dollars. The Leafs are obviously entering the sort of salary cap, cap dancing zone, but We don't know what's going to happen with Matt Murray's cap hit and whether the Leafs would have to send out some money. Maybe you have to sacrifice an Alex Kerfoot to get money going the other way. We'll see. But I think Jensen's a perfect example. I think if you're Kyle Dubas, you have to look closely at Jake McCabe in Chicago as well because we know the Blackhawks are likely to be willing to eat 50% of that cap hit, which brings them down to $2 million. That makes an unbelievable bargain there for a player that still has term left. And I'm sure the Leafs would love to be able to bring in a guy with term. So those are the type of defensemen, if I'm the Leafs, I'm looking at. I don't think you need, for example, on Eric Gustafson, who's more of a puck mover, I think you need that shutdown guy. Because right now, I think they're still looking pretty thin, especially on the right side going into the playoffs.
1: Yeah, I I share the same uh, vision as you when it comes to Jensen. I really like him. I never thought he'd be a player that would be available, considering where Washington was in the playoff race. But if they're going into sell mode, he's definitely a guy I would target if I'm the Maple Leafs. Jake McCabe, look, nothing against the guy. I love him as a kid. I I played with him his first year in Buffalo, but he doesn't fit the type of player that Duvis has focused on to rebuild this team this season. You talk about the Matt Murray edition. Say what you want about his health, but he's got the playoff resume. You know, Ryan O'Reilly and Achari have the playoff resume. Jake McCabe has no playoff games in his career. Uh, to me, that that would sort of... Um, you know, shift my focus into a different direction and find a guy that 's played playoff games and that has understood you know the pressures that it takes to play in those switches, especially in this market with this team where let 's be honest it 's the pressure cooker of any teams in the playoffs once the playoffs rolls around because of the success they need to have this year uh, compared to uh the 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 failures that they 've had in the last couple of years so we 'll see how this plays out i think that's this is the interesting thing of these next couple of days. Um, you know, share is what new teams pop up and what new players become available, and I think the Leafs definitely have to get in on on the defensive market. And and you talk about Jensen too; he's probably going to be a lot more cost uh, effective too. Like, I, I I can't see him going for a multiple you know package of picks, and probably would be more cost certainty for for the Maple Leafs, don't you think?
2: I agree, especially with McCabe. The fact that the Hawks are willing to eat some of that salary, it becomes an extremely valuable player. So you could argue maybe. He's priced himself out of what the Leafs can afford, whereas Jensen's a rental. And I agree. He's got more of the deep water experience. Obviously, he wasn't there for the cup run in 2018, but he's been on the the Capitals for four playoff runs in a row. So at least he has some big game experience. And it is what the Leafs are looking for. And again, if you trace it back to Ryan O'Reilly, I think that's why he's such an important addition, because you could see this team in a situation now where they're in overtime of a game six, a game seven, they go back to the room. And they now have a guy who says, guys, I've been here before. Mm-hmm. I've been in these deep waters. I won the Con's Mike Trophy. We can do this, right? So having more of those voices, players with rings, I think it's a little intangible that's important. So it's not necessarily the the type of bent we've seen in Dubas' moves in the past, but I think he understands it's time to get more desperate and do everything possible to get this team over the hump.
0: Matt, we're seeing some reporting at a Pittsburgh this morning from Rob Rossi that, I don't know if dissension is the right word, maybe disagreement between the GM, Ron Hextall, and the coach, Mike Sullivan, with regards to how to approach the trade deadline. Yeah. Sounds like Sullivan's like, let's go get some players. He wants Jacob Chikrin. Yeah, he wants Jacob Chikrin. I will, let's get some players to help us improve and it sounds like Hextall is very resistant to the idea of trading future drafts. Draft picks. who do you think wins this power struggle here in Pittsburgh and what do you make of the Penn situation right now?
2: Yeah, it's funny. I actually was doing a Pittsburgh radio show yesterday and I said I needed to take an Advil first because I don't think <laughs> there's a team in a tougher situation than the Pittsburgh Penguins because yeah. you set the precedent in the summer. You resign, Chris think of getting Malkin, long-term, that message says we're letting it ride. We're going for it all the way until our generational superstars finally age out. So now when you have Ron Hextall publicly indicating a couple weeks ago that he was reluctant to move a first-round pick, it's a really contradictory message, and that's a team that's really caught in the middle in terms of where they are. They're mired in mediocrity. They have not been able to get over the hump and win a playoff series in years. They're regularly one of the smallest teams in the NHL. They get pushed around. They're a good regular season team. They always get nudged out in the playoffs because they don't have enough physicality, and you're sort of floating along right now battling as they are every year now just for the right to get kind of pushed out in that first round. So I think you either have to acknowledge this team doesn't have the horses and maybe consider selling. You do have guys like Brian Dumoulin and even Christian Jarrys, the pending UFA. Or you have to flick the switch and go for it, try to load up because you already indicated in the summer you still want to win yeah. when you meet those re-signings. With the Penguins, I think what's unique to their situation is I think they're a team that would be wise to look at players with term because If they're, like I said, they've brought back their stars, they're going to try and stay competitive a few more years. To me, that is the type of team that should be looking at a Timo Meyer or maybe even a Brock Besser, an impact player that can actually help them for more than one season.
0: Matt, you and your team at The Daily Face-Off will have everything covered. Make sure to check them out. Matt is the managing editor and senior writer at The Daily Face-Off. Thank you for doing this. Have yourself a great weekend. Hopefully, the trades will be plentiful for us, Matt.
2: That's right. Thanks, guys. My pleasure. And, yeah, hopefully the trade is to slow it down a little. Let's pace ourselves and have something to write about every day.
0: <laughs> <laughs> One a day, GMs. One Amen. a day. Amen. Again, Matt And then Larkin. 20 on trade deadline. Yes, we need a big day on on trade deadline. What's the deal here on trade deadline? Here? Are you are you doing the show on uh, next Friday? I am. Yeah, it's going to be a long day
1: for yeah, next and Friday. Like, I'm going to need my own, like, uh, carafe delivery, of, uh, of McDonald's, McDonald's again because i got to do the morning show. Then I jump right on the Trade Center from 10 till probably 6. Oof. And then I have a CHL-Conor
0: Bedard game at 8 o'clock that night. So. It's a good thing it's a Friday, good thing it's because a Friday. I would demand that you have a replacement for the next next day yeah. if it was a weekday. Oh, I wouldn't work the next day. No, no, that's that's going to be a tough when you're going to yeah. get home and take an Uber honest back to home. But it's, it's one of the, it's it's one the, of most the fun. best days to work. Again, I've been working at TSM for a long time. The cool, the two coolest days working here are trade deadline day and free agent yeah. day, because everybody's it's here. It's hectic. It's so cool to see the behind the scenes. I just stand there waiting. I'm like, God, Duthie. I mean, maybe, like, he has a headache. He needs to take the, a couple segments a off. I'll because of cramp. <laughs> all right, Aaron, you're in. And I'm like, all right, here we go. So, CFL talk on free agent friends. I just yeah. can't see that happening. All right, James. I know, I know, James. Me neither.
1: Me neither. Maybe he'll take one of your screen awards away. Yeah. i um, one of eight. Look, I, I love the fact that we're seeing a lot of creativity happen in the NHL because I think people are starting to understand. Trades is what the league needs. I mean, you see... The fan reaction, you see the, the, the fans responding and the buzz that is being created around trades. I think as we move closer here you're gonna see a flurry of trades. It almost reminds me of like my fantasy hockey league that I'm in. Last Sunday was their trade deadline. And I think I, I think I should win an award for the amount of trades that I made. I think the total number was Nine trades. You made I nine. Made. Dude, where do you have yes. time to make nine? And, and deals? we have a salary
0: cap in our league wow, too, so that.
1: it's like it's crazy. It was, I will say, uh, I mean, pretty
0: awesome. Pittsburgh and Shikren makes a ton of sense. Two years left on his deal. That's two more runs with Crosby. It makes a lot of sense yeah, for you know, a lot of. Makes teams. sense for everybody. They won't trade him for a lot of teams. They will not. Which is why I can't understand why he hasn't been traded yet. Another thing that makes sense: listening and tailing my FanDuel best bets. I'll reveal them next.